0: Y'all good? Shout out to Chris. Thank you very much, Chris. If y'all don't know, that's Chris's Christmas. That's from his Christmas album. You could get that in stores November 15th. That's it. It's called Christmas Blankets because he's doing cover songs. Um, I know like a few people had asked me um, when, when they saw the title Married Did You Know as a teen knight they're like, you know, dogs, we're in February. This is not Christmas, right? How many of you guys thought Mary, Christmas time, you guys associate Mary with Christmas? No, I'm the only one. Thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate that. Shout out to the parents in the building showing love. I ain't even mad. I know I do. I, I associate sometimes right, seasons, right? That's a Christmas song. You're so, like, if I would have came here and sang Jingle Bells, you'd be like, yo, what's wrong with them? This ain't Christmas, it's February. And the book of Mark is a very interesting story, in which Jesus is walking, right? Um, he's he's going to the he's walking to the synagogue, which is their you know the church if you will, their place of worship, and he's going on a Sabbath. And the Sabbath day uh, was was you know their rest, their day of rest. And on the Sabbath you could not work. That was a law. It wasn't like you know like uh, something that they just said. You know like oh don't work. No no, it was a law. Like in New Jersey. Uh, right next to where the Jenkins live, there's a law that certain uh, certain stores cannot be open on Sundays we, to this day, like currently. Like we went one time, we wanted to go, I think, and, and we couldn't go because they're closed on Sundays. So the Sabbath was a day where you could not work. So in the book of Mark, Jesus is going to the synagogue and he's walking He gets into the synagogue, and on the Sabbath was like their public worship. That's the day that everyone would come and they would worship. Other than that, the synagogue was used for teaching. So, you know, people could go on a Tuesday, and if you wanted to go, that's what they did. That was their livelihood. They would go, and people would go learn. Um, They would go be taught by the rabbis and the teachers. So they would go into the synagogue, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a point here. So they would go into the synagogue and learn. Jesus is walking into the synagogue on a Sabbath day. He's walking in. He sees a man with a deformed hand. He sees a man with a crippled hand. The guy had an ailment. The guy had a problem. There was something wrong with the man. And Jesus sees this. And, you know, throughout the, the New Testament, particularly when you're looking at the Gospels and Jesus does something, uh, you, you'll see that Jesus does it out of compassion. There's something in his heart. Get, it fills up with compassion. So Jesus sees this man. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the law was you can't work. You know, you can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus sees this man and he, and he heals this man. He heals him. And the Pharisees who were, you know, the haters, they were the, the religious people. They were the people that are, they were just religious. They were just religious. They wanted things a certain way. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't, can't, can't. And they saw what Jesus did and they were upset. Why were they upset? Because they, they were upset because Jesus healed the man, but he did it at the wrong, in the wrong season. It wasn't the right time in their mind. No, heal him on Monday. Why are you going to do it on Sunday? Why would you do it on Sunday? The Sunday, the Sabbath is the holy day. We don't do anything on, on the Sabbath. And Jesus is amazing because he healed the man, not caring about what they thought or what the law was about that. He says, I don't care what season it is. I'm, I'm healing this man. Is it, is it, is it uh, bad for me to do good on the Sabbath? He throws that kind of question out at them. And, and I say all that to say that a lot of times we, you know, I know for me personally, I would skip over the reading the the story of the birth of Jesus because it wasn't Christmas time. Or I, I would, you know, skip over certain things because, you know, it's not that season. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that he wants to move in your life no matter what the season. See, it wasn't culturally, it wasn't culturally cool for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath. People thought it was crazy. And nowadays, people would probably think you're crazy for singing a song or rather coming to a tea night on a Saturday you know, you could be doing so many things. You could be doing, uh, ha- playing Xbox. You could be hanging out with your girls at the mall. You could be doing so many other things, and-, and yet you're here. And while people may think that's culturally not cool or that's so weird, Jesus wants to move in any season. He doesn't need a specific season in order to move. And I love that story in Mark because he didn't care that it was the Sabbath. He didn't care. He was like, this guy's crippled, and he was filled with compassion and decided to move in the man's heart. Now, I wonder... Um, you know, we're crippled. I'm crippled. We're all crippled in our hearts. We have things that are wrong with us that God, kind of, you know, Jesus wants to work on them. He wants to fix them and straighten things out. And I wonder if we just open up our hearts today, if he could do that. So let's just pray before we, before we move on. Let's just pray. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that You don't move just in Christmas season, God. You don't move in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving time. You don't need a holiday. You don't need a special announcement. You don't need church, God. You actually move whenever you want to move, God. And we thank you for that. And, Lord, I thank you for each and every teen, each and every person, young adult, God, adult, everyone that's here, God. I thank you for them. I thank you that you brought them here today. And I pray that um, you would help me, God, to step down and step out so you could step up and step in. I pray that you would fill me with your words, God, and that your words would pierce all of our hearts, God. We thank you, and we love you in, this in your precious name. Amen. During the summer of 1994, Paramount Pictures came out with this amazing movie that would eventually go on, and it would win six Academy awards. And, and this movie was different than the movies that were out at the time, because at the time, if you will, I'll list some of the movies. Uh, the movies that were out at the time were all about comedies and, and, and action. Uh, you know, there were no such thing as suspense thrillers in the 90s for you young ones. There was, no, there was nothing like that. It was all action films, it was all fun or kiddie, goofy movies. So there were movies like True Lies. Nobody's ever heard of it. My apologies. I know you guys were born in '97. Um, True Lies. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a a secret agent and goes out and saves the world. He just saves the world. Mad Diesel don't even speak English. I don't even know what he's talking in the movie. He saves the world. Arnold Schwarzenegger. True Lies. Then there's Pope Fiction. Blank Man. Blank. No one ever seen Blank Man, a fake superhero. Thank you, my old student, Donnell. Speed. The Mask. Dumb and Dumber. Street Fighter, Mighty Ducks 2. How many of you guys wanted to go get some get some hockey sticks, go get some skates? I tried. It wasn't good. It wasn't looking good. Above the Rim. All these movies were out at the time. They were action. They were comedies. They, were, they fell into one of the other categories. But then Paramount Pictures came out with this movie in the summer of 1994 that pretty much shook up the whole movie industry and the movie was very interesting it was about a a man who who was uh, a little bit different so to speak it was starring Tom Hanks and it showed a simple man who had a very low IQ but yet this man went to accomplish a lot of things name that movie Forrest, Forrest. my name is Forrest Forrest Gum people call me Forrest Gum <laughs> One of the best movies ever in the world, Forrest Gump. They show it on TNT every month. Catch it. It's hot. (laughs) Forrest Gump was an amazing man because he went from being a a man that had like these, uh, he he had a disability, of course, but he had these um, braces on his legs and then people were bullying him. He went from that to like becoming like an all-star football player. Anyone ever seen the movie before? All two of you. Cool. So with that being said, Forrest Gump, he runs, right? And then, like, the football, the football coach sees him. He's like, boy, that boy can play. And he puts him on the football team. And through that, Forrest was able to go to college. And then Forrest is, like, a famous ping pong player. Anyone who's ever been on the retreat? Who went to the retreat last year? I probably spanked all of you in ping pong. Everyone knows I love ping pong. Forrest Gump. Nigel's <laughs> nah, like, nah, you didn't spank me. I didn't beat you? I beat you before. So... Uh, for his, he went from like a football player to a ping pong player to a shrimp extraordinaire. He became like a shrimp boat owner with his friend Lieutenant Dan, who I'm about to get into. But my favorite, yes, yes, do, huh? Oh, Bubba. Bubba, no, he didn't do it. But Bubba was dead. Bubba was dead, bro. Watch the movie. <laughs> Watch the <laughs> watch that movie, player. <laughs> Bubba had that. He did it for Bubba. He did it for. He did it for Bubba. 42nd Street, Bubba Gump. Go get some shrimp. You did? Yes, Aubrey did work there. A few people were starting to say they worked there. Justin, you worked there? there. Justin's like 12. He's like, nah, I ain't worked there. (laughs) So Forrest Gump is an amazing movie about an amazing young man who uh, just does crazy things, that movie has like seven movies in one, he met the president three times he gets shot in the buttocks he does like all types of things but the most amazing part, like my favorite one of my favorite scenes ever in the movie is when Forrest meets Lieutenant Dan Forrest gets, before you get to that part, Forrest, uh, he gets on the bus and nobody wants to sit with him I, I mean, it was foul man, that was messed up I'm like, That's, just let the guy sit it's a bus ride, people are like you can't sit here you can't sit here. And then he sits with his man Bubba and him and Bubba get cool and, you know, they, they show the whole army thing. And there's a part where Lieutenant Dan, uh, and I, I, want, I, want to, I want to read it verbatim here so I'm, I'm looking down. But there's a part where Lieutenant Dan meets Gump and Lieutenant Dan asks Gump, you know, why did you join the army? He, you know, something along the lines of why did you, you know, join the army? And um, Or actually, he said, what's your purpose in the army? And Gump responded with, whatever you tell me to do, drill sergeant, that's my purpose, whatever you tell me to do. And at that moment, anyone who ever saw the movie, Lieutenant Dan, rips him apart. He's like, whatever I tell you to do, oh, that's a good answer. And he just goes on and on. And the movie's amazing, you know, cinematography-wise. It flips over to the present tense where Gump is sitting on a park bench, or rather a bus stop, and he's sitting with this old lady, and he's explaining to her. And he's like, he says, I'm going to quote it to you because it's awesome. He says, uh, okay, Let me do the voice, hold on. He said, for some reason, I fit in the army like one of those round pegs. It's not really hard. you got to really make your bed neat, stand up straight, and always answer with yes, drill sergeant. <laughs> it was the most, that's like one of the best lines in the whole movie. He's sitting down, they just show him getting yelled at by his lieutenant, and then they pan over to the present tense, and Forrest Gump is saying, this army thing is not hard. He, he said, I fit in like one of those round pegs. <laughs> he said, it's not hard. He said, all you have to do is make your bed really neat, stand up straight, and answer with, yes, drill sergeant. That's all you have to do. And the movie's amazing. And you see how his logic is actually not that wrong. And, and, and throughout his life, we were able to see if he just was, you know, the fact that he was obedient to a lot of things and he, he was able to get very far in life just by his submission to the things that he was doing. And, and it's amazing because he understood the logic of, if I'm in the army, right, and I don't do what Lieutenant Dan says, or if I, like, if I try to do things my way, then my life would be horrible in the army. They'll make you like clean the floor with a toothbrush. In fact, I think he did that. And you'll do crazy things. But he understood that, hey, if I submit to what Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan wants, as well as to what the the purpose of the army is, if I submit to that and if I surrender to that, then I'll be good. He understood that logic, and and I mean that's the reason why I didn't go to the army. I remember being sixteen years old, and the army came to my school. Right, you remember? Do you remember this at any at any point, Amy? Uh, Amy and I went to the same high school, and and and. We would have college recruit recruiters, of course, of course. But then there were a few Army, the Marines, uh, the Navy. They would come and try to get us, you know. They would send sit us in the cafeteria, and, they, you know, they would try to sell you a story. And one time they almost got me because they were like, we'll pay for everything. Now, anyone that knows me, you know the motto, if it ain't free, it ain't me. If you're going to pay for everything, I was like, listen, I'm going to take advantage of this. And then, like, I remember going online, like, back in the day when you had to, like, plug in your, your online, and you had the little... T- and you couldn't use your phone at the same time. Anywho, I went online to America Online when that was like a Google, and I looked up the army. I'm like looking up the army and like their, their details and stuff, and I like watch a video where like they're yelling at the guy, and I'm just like, I ain't dealing with that, man. Because you yell at me, you're gonna have to shoot the hands, and I'll probably die. Um, but Gump understood one thing he understood that surrendering his way to the army would give him a smooth ride. He understood that. And, and most people, including me, I'm not going to lie, I, don't, I never want to exclude myself from when I'm talking because anytime that anyone comes up here and talks to you is because God spoke to us first and we went through it first. So I know that, honestly, it's very difficult to surrender. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And particularly, it's difficult to surrender to God's will. More so, it's not because, like, you think that God has an evil plan for you, because we know the blueprint, right? For, you know, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope in the future. Not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. We got that. That's cool. We know that God has a good plan for us, but sometimes we think the way he's taken is a little shaky. You're like, yeah, you know, you sure you don't want to go, I mean, the bathroom's right there. Why are you going to have me go up? This staircase, through the sanctuary, through the balcony, fly down, down. And that's the way it feels with life. Like, God gives us a promise, but then the process is a little bit different. It's a little bit more difficult, right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone's like... <laughs> We're going to look at a cool story, right? We're talking about Mary, and and I want to introduce you to this, this Mary that we don't really get a chance to hear about too often. Um, Mary played the cut like a Band-Aid, and ha huh. No, thanks, sir. Uh. It's punchlines, guys. I'm a rapper. Uh, Mary was low-key. She didn't want her name, you know, she didn't want her own book. It's not like she requested the Book of Mary. She was low-key. She had the most amazing job ever, and that was to give birth to the savior of the world. It's, it's ironic. In fact, I think Alanis Alanis Morissette should have added a line in her song to talk about how ironic it was that she was giving birth to the Savior of the world. It's amazing. So we're going to look at a story in Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're just going to stay in Luke chapter 1, so that's dope. Um, You don't got to do a lot of flipping around today. Luke chapter 1. I've been trying to flip to Luke chapter 1, and I've been stuck on Mark 6 for 12 minutes, it feels like. Luke chapter 1. All right, cool. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, reads as this. We're going to start in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, little, uh, little pause here, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, who we found out earlier in the chapter was also pregnant with John the Baptist. Little history right there. Boom. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, now you're caught up. All right. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared I'm sorry, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Verse 32, he will be he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, "But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Verse 35, the angel replied, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby I'm um, sorry, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God." What's more, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. For everything is, For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said, I'm sorry, may everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So in order to understand, this is an amazing story, but in order to understand how amazing it is, I need to give you some background because you need to understand the culture. Um, A lot of times, I know I used to read the Bible and kind of apply it to my ways now, you know what I mean, and try to think of it like the way it is now in the city where like, you know, a girl from 127th and 2nd Avenue is just going to get pregnant randomly. And I see, you know, like, it doesn't make sense. But you need to understand what's going on here. So Mary was approximately uh, between the ages of 12 and a half and 14. And scholars know this because in that time, in that era, you were women were allowed to get married at the age of 12 and a half. That was legally allowed. And you may say, oh, that's nasty, uh, but let me explain to you it wasn't like creepers walking around and like hey you want to marry me like meeting finding girls at the schoolyard like hey you want to get married it was nothing like that at all i promise you i pr- exactly <laughs> it wasn't like that he wasn't walking around with ice cream cones melting in his hand do you want to get married nothing like that i promise it was actually very normal it was very it was very it was cultural. So what would happen was, in that day, women actually, their lifespan, unlike today, the women's lifespan was a lot shorter than males. So they, women were allowed to get married earlier because they weren't living as long as males. Now, me and Amy were talking about this, trying to figure out why. Maybe it was that males worked and the women stayed home. Maybe it was because they were more active. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the sandals. I'm not really sure what it was, <laughs> but women had a shorter lifespan than males, um, they just did. That's the way it was. So we know that Mary was between the age of 12 and a half and 14 because you were legally allowed to get engaged at that time. Um, like I said, the reason they would get so young, actually the average lifespan for a male, just for a male, was 40 to 45 years old. Now that's super young. Um, we have music artists that are going platinum that are 45 years old that you guys probably listen to that you shouldn't. They're like 45. Exactly. Um, so we know that this is like, you know, th- th- 45, people just starting their careers at 45, you know what I mean? Back then, males were dying at 45, so you know they were allowed to marry um, a little earlier. So Mary was engaged to Joseph, who was a carpenter by trade. That was his job. That was his livelihood. And engagement and marriage was a little bit different than what we're used to now. Uh, engagement didn't mean that uh, he liked her so much that he put a ring on it. It wasn't that kind of thing. It's not like it, it actually didn't work like that. In fact, it worked like he wanted to get engaged to her, so he had to pay like she weighed. In fact, that's actually literal. What I mean by that is, uh, uh, it was an arranged marriage where the father and, and the future husband would, you know, work out an, an agreement where the fiance, the man, would pay a dowry. You know, he would he would pay some money to the father, and he had to pay, and the amounts actually. Let me get this right. He paid gold and however much she weighed. So if the girl was a hundred pounds, he paid a hundred gold shackles, you know what I mean? I don't know what the, cur- I don't know. I'm not too sure what the currency was, but he paid that amount. So he paid like she waved. You, you guys get that visual? He was paying like she waved. So it wasn't creepish. They went to the father. All right, let's just backtrack a little bit. He wasn't with the ice cream cone, okay? He didn't put a ring on her. It wasn't like, you know, the, it was very arranged. And, and, and Amy and I were talking about this, and, and she kind of pointed out that that is somewhat like our modern-day engagement. When I bought Amy's engagement ring, it, I might as well have paid like she weighed. It was a lot of money, and that was, you know, that, that, it hit my pocket. And it might, I might as well have gotten her father a donkey. You know what I mean? I might as well have done that. <laughs> Got her father a donkey some gold bars. We would have been good. Some gold bars, like they sell that, right? So, so Mary uh, was between the ages of 12 and a half and 14, and she married, and she was engaged to this man. So the way it worked was when a man and a woman became engaged, The man was responsible for her. Um, So, like when I, when Amy and I got engaged back on September nineteenth of two thousand and nine, at that moment she still went home with her mom, and that was cool. I didn't have to buy her clothes. I didn't have to feed her. I was still trying to feed myself. Um, I didn't have to do any of that. But, but back then you did. You were responsible. The minute you became engaged, the man would have to provide lodging. He would have to buy her clothes. You know, he would have to get her food. All the women like, yeah, I'll be mad. I would be engaged right now. When my father He needs to get me engaged to some man who want to do all that. Yeah, that's the way it was. So the girls would, would be able to do all. They would, you know, basically live the life. I just, I couldn't imagine paying for Amy's food. I but mean, the good thing is God blessed me with a girl. I'm just thinking about that. Like her clothes, okay. Like her food I could get because God's blessed me with a wife that, that doesn't really eat. Like she's like weird. She wants to share everything. Like, we go out to eat, and like we go out with our friends, and she's like, hey, you want to share? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, Chris, Chris is like, why would I want to share? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that's good. She's always been a great, uh, a cheap date. Um, that's a good thing. So, but if it was her clothes, it would be the opposite. I couldn't imagine doing that. Anywho, marriage was very different then. It wasn't like nowadays, like celebrities or the Kardashians, where you just, you know, dropped it like it was hot. It was a very serious thing. It was very serious. They took it very serious. To the point where, um, you know, if a woman was engaged, uh, it was about a year process. That 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 time, that court, that uh, engagement time was about a year. If a woman was engaged and she became pregnant, like Mary, um, she would actually die. They would they would kill you. Would be stoned to death. You would be stoned. It, It was that bad that if a woman committed adultery. Because under engagement, you were already under the covenant. You know, it wasn't official, but it it was already going down. And if a woman had became pregnant during that time, um, you would be stoned. You would be stoned to death. So to me, that's what makes it amazing that she was able to take this on knowing that the consequences could be death. You know what I mean? Like, let's look at this for a second. Sometimes we skip over that part because we're like, oh, yeah, if, you know, if they told me that I was giving birth to the Savior of the world, I would do it too. But you guys got to realize that the action that she took, the, 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 way, the way she handled the whole situation, she could have died. She, she really could have died. And Mary understood that the promise, the, the, the promise that God had given her was greater than the process that she was going to go through. And and I'm praying that for me right now. I'm praying that Amy and I are praying that for us. We're praying that for baby Charlotte, that we would uh, know that God has a, pro- a promise for us. He does. He has a promise for each and every one of you. When you give your heart to him, he wants to do something in you and through you, and something special that no one can do. Uh, I can't go to your school and tell everyone about Jesus, but you can. There's a way that you can reach people that I can't. Uh, There's things that make us different. I can't sing like Chris, although in my shower, in my mind, I think I can. In fact, I'm not really a shower singer. I'm a car singer. I feel bad for people when I'm driving because they probably think I'm crazy. Like this morning I was driving to school and I was just like, and I'm like making the ugly face. I almost crashed. That's Chris's gifts. (laughs) Like that's his gift and he really my gift. Everyone has something specific to do that God wants you to do. And a lot of times, like, you know, we don't realize that the promise entails a process. It does. Um, you don't, you're not born, like, I'm, we're preparing for Charlotte. Uh, for those that don't know, that's going to be our, child, our child's name, Charlotte Bell, little girl, Charlie Bell. Uh, and we're preparing for Charlotte. And we're like, you know, I, I don't expect Charlotte to come out, although this would be hot to come out and be ready to start making beats and just get on the MPC and just start making beats. Like there's a process to her making beats and rapping. Amy's like, stop that. That's from Satan. You know, there's a process. There's a process that needs to happen, right? We're praying that God, uh, that she, she marries one guy that she falls in love with once. We're praying these things for her. Even now, before she's born, we're praying that. Cause I ain't trying to have a, <laughs> y'all know I would straight up catch a case. I would I would go to j- I would go to jail. I can't even I can't even imagine. I was thinking to myself, when when Charlotte is in kindergarten, I will be going on the school trips, and if a boy looks at her, I, I would throw Lunchables at him. <laughs> I would open the YooHoo and pour it out on him. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm I'm ruthless when it comes to those things. I, my, uh, Donnell is here, one of my my students, and um, one of my, a lot of my all my female students. I'm very protective of my students. Donnell will tell you, um, I'm very protective of them. Like once you you're my once we click, and like me and you are tight, like it's a wrap. Like you you get the the, the life pass, Donnell. Got the life pass. He can hit me up at any time, and I'll make sure he's good. And all my female students that I'm cool with, they're always like, I feel bad for your daughter, Mr. Ramos. I see how you treat us. I can't, I'm, like, protect, like, super protective. And I cannot imagine, you know, we, Charlotte going from birth to all of a sudden playing piano like he ting, or playing violin like he ting, because there's a process involved with that. Right There's a process involved that a lot of times we tend to look over. We kind of skip over that. But Mary, kind she kind of got it. She, she definitely got it. In fact, if we look back at verse 38, it says, um, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And we kind of read that very like majestically, like, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Like we read it like, you know, like almost like she was soft or like she was kind of like, okay, like um, I'm the Lord's servant. What I, no, no. In fact, linguistically, they 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 got that part right. It, it translates perfectly from the original language. But her tone, what she was saying, it wasn't like, um, may whatever you have for me happen. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, what she said, like her tone was more like, yo, I'm down. When does this happen? Let's go. Like, it was more like that. If I could translate it to now, it was like, yeah, I'm down. I'm willing to take this Say, you know, the, you, You're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to birth in me the say. Let's go. Let's do it now. And she didn't care about the process. She was so involved with the promise. And I think that's amazing because I don't, I don't do that, that sometimes. Sometimes, like, it's hard for me to know that God has a promise and, like, there's a process involved. And sometimes I want to press, like, skip. You know, I want to, like, skip it. You know, for those that play video games, there's always options for you in the beginning, right? Like 2K, they got, like, the little intro. And, like, you know, it's like Blake Griffin Duncan or something like that. And you could skip it. And, and I like that. Part. I, I like skipping. Like, it's like, skip. Or now Amy and I, we watch this show, The Mentalist, that I love dearly. Um, that I will always talk about. But we don't get to watch it on Sunday nights when it comes on because we go to sleep rather early. So we DVR it. And when we DVR it, um, the next day we watch it on Monday. We get home at 4.45. It's usually on the TV already by like 5. And we're watching it. And the thing I like about it, because I get to skip the commercials. I don't want to watch the commercials. I'm tired of that. Like, they got this commercial now with the guy in the travel agency. Um, Anyone know what I'm talking about? Two tickets to paradise. I (laughs) can't. Oh, 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 I can't, I want to, I want to break my television, it's funny, but I'm like, come, it comes on like every two seconds, on channel two, I don't know what's wrong with them, I don't know what's wrong with channel two, it is, they probably, exactly, oh, oh, I can't, I can't, it's just like, he's like, two tickets to paradise, I'm like, I can't, I cannot, but I want to skip that part. And, 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 and most times I, I talk to my students, I know, they're like, oh, Mr. Ramos, I wish I could just skip high school and go straight into college. And I'm like, if you can't do this. <laughs> and, and, you know, like sometimes we think that we could get to point B before we actually have traveled from point A there. And we, we skip these steps. But Mary understood She understood that, yes, God had given her a promise, but involved with the promise was a process, and she was willing to take it. And a lot of times, rarely, do people talk about the process for Mary. We don't talk about it, because it kind of, the next chapter uh, is the birth of Jesus. And, right, we have the birth of Jesus, and and, and after that, it kind of goes into the temptation of Jesus. It, It goes very fast. Like, Jesus, like, they skip all of his life almost until he's, like, 30 in the book of Luke. So we don't get this understanding of what her process was. We see other people's process in the Bible, but we don't get to see her process. But let me tell you what her process is, because if I can use my imagination, um, you're you're between the ages of 12 and 14, you're pregnant. There's no Maury show to tell you who the daddy is. You're living in a society where you would die if you're pregnant and you're engaged and the, the... you hadn't had a relation with your, your future husband yet. So you can imagine what happens. She's probably gossiped about, right? People see the little lump coming out, and people like, Mary, she says she's a virgin. She ain't a virgin. She ain't a virgin. they probably get in there, their hair done and their tourniquet wrapped around their hair. And they're probably like, they're like, listen, she's not, she's not no virgin, even though she knew the promise. She knew the promise. She's not real. She's not about that life. Or even the fear. How about Joseph? Like the, the, you know, you know how difficult it must have been for Mary as a woman. Where you know, I know as a man, like you know, if something like this would have had a, you know, would have happened to me, and I'm, 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 you're trying to show love, but it's difficult because you're like, that, that's not my kid. You know what I mean? Like this whole idea that like that, is she lying about the Holy Spirit conceit? Like is is you guys gotta understand that she went through a process of doubt. She went through a process of fear, the gossip, the rejection. She was rejected. You guys gotta understand, this was not socially acceptable. It wasn't. It was it, you don't do this. This doesn't happen. People died for less. And yet she was willing to take it on. She didn't care about the she didn't care. another part of the process that we don't really see, and kind of this is a little bit fast-forward. Mary had to watch her only son, I mean not her only son rather, Mary had to watch her son, Jesus, the savior of the world, get mocked, get beat up. You know, she was the only one at the cross when she was at the cross. Imagine. Mary's at the cross watching her son die. Now, and I know at that very moment she probably she remembers the promise that he would be all these things, he'd be the savior of the world. And yet she's probably thinking, This is the end. Is this the end? Is this what, is, is this how, is this Mary? Did you know? This is what I'm thinking. As I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, Mary, did you know that the process was going to be this hard? Did you know that your son would be rejected? Do you, did you know that you would be rejected? Did you know that you would be teased and gossiped about? I, I, I think about this, even as Chris sang the song, you know, they talk about all these positive things that Jesus did. But I, I, I think about the negative, Mary, did you know that you were going to get rejected? Did you know that? And if you did know that, how did you have the courage to say yes to the promise? I don't want to say yes if I feel like someone's going to talk bad about me. I don't, I don't want to say yes to that. If I need to go somewhere and there's like a little bit of social, like awkwardness maybe with somebody, I don't want to go there because I know the process is going to be awkward. And yet Mary, between the ages of 12 and 14, listen to me, teenagers. she's between 12 and 14, was willing to carry a promise to give birth to the Savior of the world, and she did not care about the process. In fact, like I said, she was excited. She says, bring it on. Her tonage, if you read commentaries, I read several commentaries and looked this up, her tonage was not like, okay, I'll do whatever you want. No, she was like, let's get it in. And, the, and we even know this because a little bit down in verses uh, 48 through 50, this is called Mary's Song. It's a song that she goes to, go, she goes to see her cousin Excuse me. She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, and she and Elizabeth starts telling her that she's pregnant. And Elizabeth is thanking her, like, "Wow, like you know, you're amazing." And and Mary has this song, and she says in verse forty-eight, it says, "For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him." She took on this role. She didn't think, she didn't care about the process. She did not care. She was willing to surrender. She didn't care. She probably understood that because she was going to surrender, that her life would be easy, kind of like Forrest. Forrest knew that the minute he stepped up and tried to get crazy with Lieutenant Dan, his life would be a living hell. He understood that. He, he could grasp that concept. I wonder if Mary understood the same thing. I wish I could interview her and, and really ask her, did you know it was going to be this hard? Because some of us, including me, when it's about, like, you know, you, you want to be a Christian, we, don't, we say, yeah, we want to be a Christian. We go on the retreats We're like, take me deeper, take me higher, take me further. We do all that. But when the process comes, when no one's around and you're at, you're at home by yourself or, or you get that text message from somebody, or you're in school, and your friends are talking about X, Y, Z, and you know this, this thing called the Holy Spirit? It's inside of you. It's grieved. It's bothered. You don't feel right. You feel uncomfortable, but yet you choose to get into the conversation anyway. Yet, you know, like we don't want to deal with that process because we don't want rejection. We don't want, to be socially, we don't want to be socially rejected. We don't want to be gossiped about. We don't want to be the kids that, you know, oh, yeah, don't hang out with him. He, you know, he's, he's weird. He goes to church on Saturdays. We don't want to be that kid. But yet, she was willing to lose her life for the promise. Willing to lose her life for the promise. It, it, I'm like, I know God's given me some promises, and I'm thinking to myself, like, would I lose my life for this, pro- would I lose my life for this promise? The minute, like, the, you know, yesterday I was sharing some stuff with Amy, and it's like the minute, the, you know, we talked about going deeper in Christ so that your roots are deep and that when storms come, you don't wave, you know, I, I was telling Amy, like, yo, maybe I'm not called to the, maybe this is not for me, maybe this is not, because some storms happen, you know, and I get a little, it gets a little rocky for me, and then, you know, I start letting my mind creep in, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this process, I'd rather just, like, just be, like, you know, whatever, just come on Sundays, and, and, like, I got convicted immediately, my wife was like, are you bugging, she's like, are you crazy, like, I know God's called you for this, but I didn't want to go, I don't want to go through the process, because it's easy in our microwave society to press fast forward, it's easy. I watch Amy four to five times a week cook a meal. She has to defrost the chicken. She has to season the chicken. She has to do X, Y, and Z, saute it, whatever. It's a process. That takes about an hour and a half. But why do that when now we could go to Trader Joe's and buy a box of grilled chicken, throw it in the microwave, pop it out in 20 minutes, and we good. And now that, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is our society has kind of Pushed us to forget about the process. We don't want the process. We want the processed, if you know what I'm saying. Come on now, listen to what I'm telling you. We don't want the process. We want the process. We want it to be done already. That's what we want. We don't want this this thing where it takes time and we have to, like, you know, we have to go through defrosting. We have to have things come out of us. We have to be cooked. We have to go through the fire and be purified. We don't want that. We want something that's already done, pop it in the microwave, pull it out, and we're good. We can live our lives. Mary, did you know? That's what I. This is all I can think about. Mary, did you know the process? Were you so willing to accept the, the promise because you understood that the process was going to be hard, and you didn't care because you knew the promise was that great? So, we're gonna get ready to wrap in a second, but I just want to, you know, throw a few things out at you guys. This is, you know, and you may be sitting here and be like, "Yo, I, God never spoke to me, no promise." Listen, man, I've been coming to Teen Nights, or maybe it's my first song. I don't got no promise. I got you right now. Check this out. You ready? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope in the future. Bam, your promise has been given. Every, that's for everybody. He's saying, if you could start playing something soft, please. That's for everybody. That's a promise that you could take to the bank. You're like, oh, Jesus, you know, God never spoke to me at a retreat. I never had an emotional moment. I never came to the altar crying. I never had this, that, the other. Listen, for, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you. That means not to hurt you, not to put you through problems, but to give you a hope in the future, to give you the good stuff. So there's, there's two people I want to talk to today, and I'm, I feel like I fall in every category. I do. Now, I, I, I wonder how many of us kind of, we refuse to fully surrender to God because we're scared of the process. Some of us are scared. Some of us uh, come out to teen night. I know when I was a teen, I would come out to teen night, and I didn't want to fully commit because I was scared of the process. I was scared of what was to come. I was like, man, if I got to do this Christian thing, that means I can't, you know, do this. I can't hang out here. I can't go there. And, and, and I, didn't, I didn't really want to deal with that. You know, your friends may leave you. You may have to, you know, leave a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You may be gossiped about. You may be seen as soft because you're a Christian now. Or you may just, you know... Maybe you just want to be accepted, and you know, sur- you know, surrendering kind of makes you a little too peculiar, you're a little bit too different. So you don't want to surrender to God because you're like, if I do that, the process is, means I got to be weird. You know, when my friends are talking about two chains, I can't really relate to that. When my friends are talking about all these new songs or all these new things, I can't really relate to that because you know that means being a Christian means I can't do those things, and I don't know if I'm willing to go through that process. Two, three weeks ago, I was, uh, I was sick on a Sunday and I stayed home. I was. Uh, feeling very achy as if almost like I was catching the flu. And I stayed home and Amy went to church. Um, and I laid down and I was, you know, laying on my couch and flicking through the channels and Coach Carter was coming on. So I was like, oh, that's a, that's a good movie. Let me watch Coach Carter. So I threw it on. Coach Carter is an amazing movie. It made me want to get a basketball coaching job or something. Um, and in that movie, there's a guy named Timo. Timo Cruz, in fact, his name is. And uh, for those that don't know, Coach Carter, there was a group of basketball players that were thugs, they were, you know, degenerates. They were low lives, and nobody wanted to deal with them. They wanted to play ball their way. They all thought they were nice. Some of them didn't even go. Actually, all of them, none of them went to school. They wanted to do things their way, and Coach Carter got hired to come onto the team, you know, like to, to coach the team. The old guy was retiring, the other coach, and they, they brought Coach Carter on to, 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 to coach the team. And Coach Carter gets there, and he, you know, he comes out strict. Got his whistle. He's like, look, this is the way things are going to be. I'm going to make you sign a contract. This is how it's going down. And Timo Cruz, you know, the only Spanish cat on the team, is like, yo, I don't want to do this. And, like, you know, I ain't doing it, blah, blah. And he tries to step to, you know, Coach Carter. And Coach Carter puts him in his place. And Coach Carter looks at him as he's leaving. And he says, you know, what's something that you're afraid of? What's your fear? He constantly repeats that throughout the movie. What's your fear? In fact, he says, I want to get it right. He says, what's your deepest fear? And Timo walks out upset because he's like, yo, I'm going to get you, you know, because Coach Carter had knocked him to the ground. Later on, Timo's running the streets. He's doing his thing. He's doing the process his way, but realizes that that wasn't the right way. He sees his cousin get shot. He sees his cousin die in front of him. He realized that people are getting ready. He sees all this, so he decides to go back on the team and do things Coach Carter's way. So there's some people who know that the process is hard and they walk away from it, like Timo did. Timo wasn't trying to hear that. He walked away. And the scary thing about that is just like Timo, it took calamity. It took the worst things to happen in order for him to come back around. It took the death of his cousin. He witnessed his cousin being shot. And then he came back around like, I want to join the team. I want to get down. But it took that. And, and, and I would venture to say that's not, that's, that's, we don't, I don't want that for you guys. I don't. That's that's not worth it to wait till the worst thing happens in order to run to Jesus. Meanwhile, the sweetest thing that you can ever have has been waiting for you the whole time. You know how to have the best thing right in front of you the whole time and you're looking around for everything else and it takes you getting knocked on the ground in order to get up and realize that it was Jesus? So that may be some of us. That may be some of us that we we don't want to surrender fully because we're, we're scared of the process. But then there's some of us who have surrendered. You have, you went on the retreat, you've come out on Wednesdays, you've come to tea nights, and you've surrendered. And you say, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it. And we know who you are, we, we know the ones that do it. And you guys are going through it, you're like, yo, I could do this process, I could do it. But halfway through the process, it gets a little discouraging, right? It gets a little tough. Things are not as easy, you're praying to God and you don't see answers anymore. You're not seeing answers, you're like, God, um, things are actually getting worse, what's happening What's happening? God, is, is, is this really what it's about? Because if it's about this, I don't want it. And I know there's some of us that are at that place where we've surrendered and we know what it's like to follow and live for Jesus. And then we get through the process and we're halfway there and we want to give up. Oh, I, I know. I've been there. I've been there. My parents were separated for 10 years. 10 years my parents were separated. At 1994, my mother got saved. She started going to church. I went with her. I started praying in 94. 94. I'm sorry. My parents were separated for eight years. In 94, I started praying for my parents. By 97, 98, I didn't even want to like lift my voice. I didn't want to look at them. Because I started saying, God, there's no way you're going to bring them back together. No way. Because I've been praying for six years and nothing's happening. Nothing. You promised this. You said if I come to you, you said if I remain in you and you remain in me, I can ask whatever I wish and it'll be given. I'm asking for my parents. I'm coming to church by myself at 10 years old. And you're telling me that my parents can't get saved? This is exactly how I thought. I'm telling the truth. God is my witness. So I stopped praying for them. The process was just too hard for me. I gave up. But something around 2001, you know, I I got into a situation in which I almost lost my life. And those kind of situations make you start thinking, you know what? Maybe I need to get this back going. I need to get this going again. So I started praying for my parents again in 2000, 2001. My parents got back together in 2002. It, It was his timing. Whether or not I complained, he would have did it in his time because he's perfect. Mary, did you know, did Mary know that the process was going to be this hard? Did she know that her son was going to be dying on a cross for the sins of the world? Listen, we look at Jesus and he, he's our savior. She looked at him as her son. And while her son, her, her, her perfect son that was perfect is now on a cross for people that don't even love him. People that are spitting at him, stabbing him on his side, mocking him, teasing him. This, you got to understand the process here. Mary's like, God, this, can't not, this cannot be. And Mary, did you know? This is what I'm asking myself. Mary, did you know? Did you know that the process was going to be this hard? And I know there's teens out there that have said, I'm going to surrender to God. I know there's some of you that committed, that have come to this very altar and said, God, I want to give my life to you. God, take me deeper. But when the process gets hard, two or three days later, or a month later, or a year later, we want to throw in the towel. I've been there. Youth workers have been there. We have all been there. That's tough. It is. It is. But the good thing is that when you surrender to Jesus, when you surrender to his will, when you say, God, take me deeper, you know, you know that Jesus is as close as the mention of his name when you Utter his name, he's there with you. He wants to hear your problems. And when you bring it to him, when you bring your problems to him, he's willing to take it. We talk about this all the time. He wants to take that exchange. He wants to barter with you. He wants to take your anger towards him because you know what, God, you're not answering my prayer. He wants to take your confusion. He wants to take all the hurt that you have because your friends don't want to accept you. He wants to take that. And he wants to give you love. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? You mean this God of the universe, this amazing God, is willing to take all my junk for all this goodness? He is. He is. I've actually fallen fallen into both categories. Both. Where I didn't want to surrender because I just thought my process was, you know, a little bit different. You know what that left me? A lot of heartache, a lot of hurt, a lot of mess-ups, a lot of regrets. But you know what? There's no condemnation, so I get over that. And I've been the person that's gone through the promise. Like, yo, God, you made this promise. Right now I'm going through that. Right now, this is what God spoke to me in my personal life. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have nothing to hide. This is something God spoke to me in my personal life. I've given you a promise. You are in the process. Don't give up. Don't give, don't give up the process for the process, something that's already done. Don't try to be like this person or that person. Be who I've called you to be. If everyone could just close your eyes for a second. Please, if you could just respect, I know, I know God is speaking to some of us today. I promise you that he spoke this to me first. The amazing thing about the Bible is that the least likeliest person in the Bible, you could find some kind of relation to them. You're like, wow, I didn't realize that I had this connection with Mary. And I really feel strongly in my heart that these are the two categories that God wanted to point out today. Some of us know that God is calling us and we refuse to surrender. You refuse, to, you refuse to surrender because you're scared of the process. Like Coach Carter said, what's your deepest fear? Is it really the process? Is it the process of being rejected? Listen, but I'd rather be rejected by everybody in the world than be accepted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, this amazing God. I'd rather be accepted by him and rejected by the world than the other way around. And then there's some of us that are, you have, you're there, you're in the process and you just need stamina. And Isaiah says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, the key to that is those that wait, wait upon the Lord, not those that skip And get to the next level. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen, when you wait in the process and sit there knowing that the promise is better than the process, you will be good. You will be strengthened. You will mount up with wings as eagle. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. That's a promise. And God, doesn't. he's not a man that he should lie. Listen to me, teens. He does not lie. For I know the plans I have for you is not a lie. That's not... That's not fake. This is real life. This is authentic. This is organic. This is genuine. This is real life. And I just wonder, listen, man, I wonder if there's anybody here. I don't care if you're a youth worker. I don't care who you are. I wonder if there's anyone here that feels like, you know what? Something you said made sense. I've been running from the promise. You could be like, listen, Joe, I've been running from the process because I know the promise is good. That part always sounds good. But the process seems a little bit more difficult, and I've been running from it. Or there may be some of you that are like, listen, Joe, I'm there. I'm there, and I'm just weak, and I'm tired, and I, I, I just want to give up. I want to give up if I described any of you, if if that's you in any way, without even thinking twice, I just need you to get up and come up here. Listen, just come. Listen, just come. Don't even think twice about it. Don't worry about who's coming up. You come up because God has given you a promise. He says, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. You may be in the process or you may be just neglecting the promise. Just come up. A youth worker will come up with